Hello everyone and welcome to the latest installment of Decoding Seafood. Today we are very fortunate to have Danelle Scott, food labeling professional at AIB International, joining us. Throughout this podcast, you'll find that Danelle is no stranger to the industry. Danelle has over 20 years of experience and a very rich background in food labeling. Hey, Danelle. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for agreeing to talk with us. I know it's always a little a little intimidating sometimes, so I appreciate you doing it. No worries. Today, we're going to take a peek behind the curtain on something I think most people see every day, and that is the food nutritional label. Even though we all encounter this label regularly and probably rely on it to help guide decisions about our diet, how many of us really know what it means and how to break down the information that's being presented there? Even though the National Labeling Education Act was passed back in 1990 with the intention of educating consumers in making nutritious, nutritious choices, there is still a certain degree of mystery and possibly confusion in decoding these labels. Today, with Danelle's support and experience, we will hopefully clear up some of the confusion that's out there. So, to get started, Danelle, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm Donnell Scott. I work for AIB International. Uh, I've been with them about 19 and a half years. Um, I uh, do food labeling. Um, I do. I did work in the meat industry for over 20 years, um, doing food safety and quality assurance work. Um, so that also entailed reading regulations and looking at labels uh, of meat products and that's how I kind of segued into doing FDA food labeling. Ah, okay. So I'm sure that the first question, or at least one of the top questions people have right now is they're wondering, what exactly is AIB International? Can you tell us what it is, maybe how it was formed? Any, any information on it would be great. Well, AIB International is invested in positively impacting the food supply chain by promoting food integrity, equipping our clients with knowledge, and supporting the delivery of safe, quality food every day. We offer training led by industry experts. Uh, we do certification and inspections and consulting. Uh, certifications such as GFSI and gluten-free, and then inspections and consulting in food safety and food labeling. Okay, well, thank you. That was very helpful. I'm going to dive right into this and I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think that most people when they walk through the supermarket don't really have a very clear knowledge of what their labels are that they encounter there. And I think it's something that since we see it every day and it guides our, our choices, it's probably something that we should know a little bit more about. So this, Danelle, this is where you come into it. Can you help break down what type of information we find on food, food labels? Like how do we, how do we even go about deciphering them? Well, actually laws and regulations uh, do provide for those labeling elements that consumers are actually looking at when they look at that product on the grocery shelf. Um, so uh, probably unbeknownst to them, they can compare product to product because that information has requirements of where it's placed. And so the consumer can know where they can go on that package and locate certain uh, labeling elements. 
So you have a product name or product identity that tells you what that product is. It's going to have a net contents and net weight statement on that product, um, an ingredient statement with the allergens disclosed, and a lot of consumers are looking for that type of information. Um, and who's responsible for the label? Uh, it's going to tell you who either made the product or who's distributing that product. So if, you, if they have questions, they can reach out to that responsible party. And then, of course, yes, the nutritional information is placed on there as well. Okay. So not only does the food label break down the nutritional value of the item that's there, I know there are other things, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but there are other things that are taken into consideration, for example, adulterated foods, allergens, and misbranding. And that probably sounds like Greek to some people. So can you can you touch on these terms? And, and basically, can you explain what they are and then how they're found on labels? Well, that type of information would be more like, other than allergens, um, adulterations and misbrandings. So there are laws on what that information is or what pertains to those types of discrepancies, I guess is what I call them. Um, what it is is an adulterated food is something that consumers is probably going to perceive that it contains something that shouldn't be in them. So a lot of times you think about uh, maybe they're that, uh, pieces of plastic. You see uh, recalls for food products about pieces of plastic or metal uh, recalls for listeria or microbiology that it was contaminated with would be an adulteration. And another adulteration could be that it's an approved food additive, but it's either in excess of the limits provided for, or it's added to a food that has no permission to have it added to that food. Okay. Okay. With misbranding, uh, misbranding basically is it's got incorrect information on the package. And so that can be kind of broad, right? Uh, say uh, the product identity actually has a standard of identity and regulations, and it doesn't meet that standard of identity. So the product is misbranded in the aspect is it doesn't meet that standard of identity. Um it can be misleading information on the package could be considered misbranding. Uh, if allergens are not disclosed, that could be a misbranding. Uh, actually can be a recall as well uh, if they're not disclosed uh, appropriately on the label. With allergens, again, by law, those are required. Those established nine that have been identified have to be disclosed on the label by their specific allergenic name. Uh, fish and crustacean shellfish and tree nuts uh, will be declared by their specific species or variety. So it's not fish, it's salmon or it's trout. Uh, or with tree nuts, it's almonds or walnuts and not just tree nuts. So that could be uh, misbranding uh, of a product as well. So if I'm understanding correctly, so adulterated it sounds like is when there's something in there that shouldn't be in there. Like there's, there, there's plastic or there's something in there that shouldn't be in the product. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And then 
misbranding is either like a claim maybe that you can't make or it just doesn't fit the category that the food is supposed to be in. Am I getting yeah, that right? Be a couple of, of uh, suggestions. Um, I can get uh, claims. That could be a misbranding, definitely. If you're making a claim and the product doesn't meet that claim. Okay. All right. Well, I think that I think that kind of clears it up. And I, th I and I also think allergens, people are probably more familiar with that out of everything else. Yes. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I want to explore how a label gets made. So if I have come up with a recipe for I don't know what, um, how do we? How do you, if I come to you and I'm like Danelle, I want to take this to market like I need a label for it how how do you figure out the nutritional data for it how how do you create that label okay so more what I'm going to say you're asking when you say label what I think of is that that's that entire package so any um, pictures wording writing on that package is labeling all right so that's going to entail you know, that product name, those mandatory labeling elements, the product name, that way, ingredients with allergens, uh, nutritional, and the responsible party. The one aspect of that is that nutritional information. Mm -hmm. So that uh, nutrition information can be gained a couple different ways or determined. Um, it can be determined by a lab analysis. So that's where you actually send in your product to a lab and they analyze it for those uh, mandatory nutrients and any additional nutrients you may need to know. Um, or it can be done by database. So with a database, you're inputting the nutritional information for each ingredient. And then when you input that recipe or formulation uh, as to the certain amounts that those ingredients are being added to that formulation, then um, the, all the nutrition from each individual ingredient is pulled in based on that amount. So either way is acceptable for determining your nutritional information. Which one's more common? I'm kind of curious. Um, I, I don't know about common. I think a lot of companies use database just because with a lab analysis, it's quite a bit more expensive. Mm, that does make sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Okay. So since we are obviously a seafood specific podcast, I'm I'm going to pivot a little bit and I'm going to focus on labeling both nutritional and product um, that is seafood and fish specific. So let's start out with what usually is the biggest topic when I talk about seafood. And that is wild caught versus farm raised. And, you know, we'll talk about salmon because that's a big one. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that labeling from your perspective? Okay, so uh, based on the, there are country of origin labeling requirements, we call them cool, uh, that fall under the purvey of USDA and specifically the Agriculture Marketing Service. So under uh, the Agriculture Marketing Service, there are country of origin labeling requirements uh, for some covered commodities. And one of the items specifically listed in there is for fish and sea seafood. Um, so the requirement is you do have to declare for raw um, 
fish or seafood, you have to declare whether it's farm raised or wild caught. And then you also have to declare the country of origin. So with that type of country of origin labeling under USDA, it does include U.S. labeling. So if it is a product of the U.S., you would include that. Okay. That, I mean, that does make sense to me. So I, so we know that we got to have the country of origin on there under USDA. And I know there's, we've been seeing other, I would say, um, verbiage that's been on labels. I, one of the ones that you've seen, that I've, that I've seen pop up personally is color added through feed. Can you, can you talk about that at all? Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure that one, unless consumers get used to it, they're, they're probably wondering the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's a little weird sounding. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it definitely does. Um, I'm thinking where that coming from is, so under FDA, the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act, you must identify all colors or all artificial color. So since um, farm-raised fish can be fed a feed that includes that color additive, which actually makes their meat color, is that what you call fish meat color? Yeah, that um, works. Makes that color brighter um, when it's processed in the aspect that we need, since all color additives do have to be approved for use, and that though there are, are two color additives that are approved to be fed to fish to promote their color and make it brighter, then that has to be disclosed on the label. So, you know, you don't want to say you're adding color to the food itself, but you do want to let them know that they are fed a color additive to brighten their color. So that is the reason that you have that color added through feed. Okay, now that makes sense because as a consumer that doesn't know very much when you go and you pick up something that says color added through feed, it's a little, it's a little bit of a head scratcher, I'm not going to lie. I think I think you need to go up with better some better way of putting that because that doesn't sound so great. <laughs> well, Danelle, I I am very cognizant of your time and you are taking time out of your busy day to talk to us. So I'm going to start to wrap this up and I and I want to find out are there any nuggets of information that you would like to share with our audience? Be that you know websites or journals or just thoughts that you have um about about the topic of nutritional labeling and, and even labeling in general fda does provide a lot of guidance information and information on their website and i do realize reading uh regulations can be a little tedious um but uh, they do provide additional information on their website so if you have any you know, questions you can go out and actually search their website um, you always want to take into consideration consumer perception. Um, you know, how is that consumer going to take any statements or labeling that you have on your product? Um, it's quite clear consumers are really reading these labels um, and they, they're using that information to make informed decisions about what, which, what or which product they're going to purchase. Well, I think that's actually a really good note to end on. Um, I want to thank you again for taking the time to do this with us. I really appreciate you taking the leap to, to join me today to do this. 
Um, I can tell that this isn't just a job for you. You know, your knowledge and, and your passion is very apparent. You probably could fill another four podcasts with everything that you that you know on the subject. But I'm hoping that this brief podcast will help, you know, just demystify any confusion that people may have and maybe maybe get them curious to start to to look for more information on the labels and the food that they're eating. So I want to thank you again, please. I, I really appreciate it. And who knows, we may have a part two after this. So it's been a pleasure talking with you, with Janelle. Well, thank you, Catherine. And I hope it becomes quite helpful to your audience. Absolutely. Thank you.